0: Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ again, and I want to thank you for joining me as we open up God's Word and study what it says about how we can be more godly and serve God, glorifying Him. A couple of my favorite books in the Bible are First and Second Peter. Today's lesson is going to come from Second Peter, looking at the key word in the book, knowledge. According to 2 Peter, knowledge is what multiplies grace and peace to us. Knowledge is what gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Knowledge is one of the things that makes us useful and fruitful. But where do we get this knowledge, and why do we get it there? That's what we're going to be taking a look at today. Open your Bible and join me as we look at a study of the prophetic word. The key word in 2 Peter is knowledge. He begins in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 by saying that grace and peace are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Savior. Then in verse 3, he points out that everything pertaining to life and godliness is given to us through knowledge of Jesus Christ. In verse 5, he points out that we're supposed to add knowledge to our Christian virtues. In verse 8, points out that it ought to abound within us two times in the book he talks about those things that ought to be a priority in knowledge as he says in second peter chapter 1 and verse 20 know this first of all and then in second peter chapter 3 and verse 3 know this first of all and then he concludes the book with an admonish with an admonition saying that, Beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge is important. And Peter's emphasis on knowledge is well-founded. We can remember that back in Isaiah chapter 5, And verse 13, God said, Therefore my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, perhaps one that's a little more familiar to us, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge is important. We need to know God. We need to know Jesus. We need to know the Spirit. And Peter, as he writes to these Christians who are going through persecution, who are witnessing perversion of Christ's doctrine, he wants to anchor them by pointing out what you need, he says, is knowledge. You need to know God and His Son and His Spirit. But how do we do that? Where do we go for that? How do we learn and know God? Peter explains that to us in his book. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Would you bow with me in prayer as we begin the lesson today? God and Father in heaven, we praise Your matchless name. You are God and no other. You are above all, but You are also in us. And Father, we appreciate the fact that You have condescended to be with us, to strengthen us and to sacrifice Your Son for us. We pray that we would know Your Son and Your Spirit and that we would know You. Father, forgive us for our times in which we've rejected knowledge and rejected Your will and help us to overcome those and to quench the fiery darts of the devil through knowledge and through faith and through our love for You. Father, be with us as we study Your Word today. Help our hearts to be open to You and what You would have us know and to learn. That as a result of gathering here to worship You, that we've grown closer to one another, but most of all, that we've grown closer to You. Strengthen us, Father. In Your Son's name, through whom we can do all things, we pray. Amen. Amen. Where can we learn knowledge? Where can we gain the knowledge? Well, Peter provides two verses within this book that describes exactly where he expects us to gain knowledge. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 he says, "...so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place." And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 2, Peter there says that you should remember the Word spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. The long and short of it, as far as Peter was concerned, if you want to know, you've got to go back to the Word. That's it. You've got to go back to what God has revealed and what God has recorded through His prophets, through His apostles, through His spokesmen. He says... Go to the Word. Pay attention to it. Repeatedly study it. Keep studying it. And that is what we need to do today. Just get back to God's Word. Just get in God's Word. Learn it. Know it. Apply it to our lives. And through that, we can know God. We can know the Son. We can know the Spirit. We can know His will for our lives. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, as the Sadducees came to question Jesus, Jesus pointed out to them in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, you are mistaken. Not understanding the Scriptures nor the power of God. Why didn't they know the power of God? Why didn't they know God? because they did not know God's Word. And then in the book of John, toward the very end in John chapter 20, as John begins to wrap up the Gospel that he recorded in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31, he said, "...therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book." But verse 31 he says, "...these have been written..." So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. He said, I wrote these things down so that you'll know the Christ. And through knowing Him and through believing Him, you can have life. How can we know Jesus? Through this. Through His Word. How can we know the Father? Through His Word. How can we know the Spirit? Through His Word. How can we receive the grace and peace that is multiplied through knowledge and all things that pertain to life and godliness? How can we be useful and fruitful? It's through this. And there is only one thing that I want us to learn today or to remember. And that is, we've got to be in God's Word. Why? Peter explains why. In fact, within his letter, I think we find in the context of these verses that we've already mentioned, we find four reasons why we ought to be in the Scriptures. Number one, because it's from the Spirit and it's not from man. There in Second Peter chapter 1, right after he said you ought to pay attention to the word of the prophets in verse 20 of Second Peter 1, he says, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. He says, go back to the word, the prophetic word, because this didn't come from man. This came from God. Interestingly today, among modernist Christian religions, there's the concept that as you read the Scripture, all you're reading is just the product of men. That what we see is the literature of certain communities As they express their views of the world and God's relation to it. As they express their views of how we ought to relate to God. And certainly we can learn lots of good advice from them, but let's not make it too restricting and follow it as though it's just for us. This is just a look at what they thought at their time. But what does Peter say? Peter says, there's no prophecy that came from one's own interpretation. There was no man that sat down and said, this is what I think about God. There was no man that sat down and wrote and said, "This is what I think God wants us to know." He said this didn't come from man. It wasn't from one's own interpretation. This is what God wanted." He said, "This comes from the Spirit." We look to First Corinthians chapter two, and see how important this is. In First Corinthians chapter two, beginning at verse 10, Paul there wrote in First Corinthians chapter two, beginning at verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. You see what he's saying? He's saying man can't know the mind of God. But the Spirit knows. And now, verse 12, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul says this. He says we can't know the mind of God unless God tells us. And the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God, has done exactly that. And he said, that's what we're writing to you. We go to the prophetic Word because it's not from man. It's from God. Secondly, we can go to the prophetic Word because Peter said it's been made more sure by eyewitness testimony. This is so powerful. If you look in verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, so we have the prophetic Word made more sure. I believe in that text he's specifically referring to the Old Testament. He says, we've got this word that's been made more sure. The Old Testament had promised the coming of the Messiah. As he had written in his first letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, And verse 10, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, Peter had already written to this audience, he said to them, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels desired to look. What Peter points out is the prophets had told us of the coming of Jesus Christ. They had searched and they had looked that they might know when it was going to happen. And now here in the second letter, Peter points out, we know that it happened. Go back to Second Peter chapter 1. Now look at verse 16. What he had just said. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, Peter said this, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty." For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic glory, this is My beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. Understand exactly what Peter's pointing out. Peter's saying we know what the Spirit promised. He says, I was there when He fulfilled it. The Spirit through the prophets of old promised that the Messiah would come. That God's Son would come into this world and I was there, He says. I just want you to think about how important it is. Peter is pointing out to us that we look at the promises of the Spirit about the coming of the Messiah and we know those came to pass because eyewitnesses saw it how much more can we be assured that the promises of His return will take place? It's been made more sure because we've seen what was promised. We've seen it happen. Another apostle, John, took the same approach when he began his letter, 1 John. In 1 John chapter 1, John begins, What was from the beginning what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. John's saying, I didn't make this up. I saw it. He ended his Gospel by saying, this is the One who testifies to you and we know His testimony is true. He said, I saw it. And that's what Phil had us remember as we were preparing for the Lord's Supper. Think about those who saw it. We can go back to the Word because it has already been demonstrated as true. And the promises have been fulfilled, that are to have been fulfilled by this time. And therefore, we can be assured that the promises upon which we are still waiting will also be fulfilled. Peter says, go back to the Word because we've seen it fulfilled. Third, Peter points out to that we need to go to the Word because it's a light in a dark place. There in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, he says, you do well to pay attention to this prophetic Word as a lamp shining in a dark place. We all remember Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I just want you to get this picture in your mind. Peter's presenting a word picture here. And he points out that we are like a person who is out at night. Who is walking along a path. And according to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14, it's a narrow and straight path. It's a difficult path. The problem is, that we're in the middle of the dark. If we step off the path or we take the wrong way onto another path, destruction awaits us. What do we do? Peter says, turn on the light. Go to His Word. It's the spotlight that shines out the way for us as we're walking through this night, as we're surrounded by confusion and darkness and wondering which way we should go. He says, here is the beacon that shines forth, that tells you, here's what you need to do. Here's how you act. Here's where you walk. Here's my path. He says, go to the Word because it is a light. Everything else is darkness. There are all kinds of things to which we can turn. But He says, go back to the Word because the Word is the light. This has got to be our basis. And fourth... He says go to the word because false teachers abound. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, right after he got finished saying get back in the word, he points out in chapter 2 and verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought who bought them bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. He says you've got to go back to the Word because false teachers abound. If you get outside the Word and you just follow people, you never know, you might be following a false teacher. But if all you do is follow God's Word, you know you'll be following the truth. And there are lots of books to read. There are commentaries, there are self-help books and you can learn a lot from it. Theologians, counselors, great advice at times. Preachers and teachers. Teach us some awesome things. But what we must always do is get back to this Word. Because it's the only way we'll know truth from error. And in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18, he talks about these teachers... He says they speak out arrogant words of vanity. They entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by what a man is overcome, by this, excuse me, by this he is enslaved. He says their language is lofty. It sounds so good. And they'll let us know that they're the ones who have the spiritual enlightenment. And oh, how awesome what we finally figured out is. And they offer freedom. But all they bring is corruption. Because they turn away from the Word and go back to where they came from. Here's the frightening thing about that. Because he goes on and in verse 20 says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. And then in chapter 3, And verse 16, as he speaks about Paul's writings, he says also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures, to their own destruction. Peter says, here's why it's important to always go back to the prophetic Word. To God's Word. Because there's a lot of error out there. The only way you can know the truth from the error is by growing in the knowledge of the Lord, by going back to his word. How do we do it? Peter provides a great three-step plan for learning from God's word. And what he points out really is that there's no real magic formula. Here's what he says. In Second Peter chapter one and verse 19, he says, "Just keep studying until you get it." In Second Peter, look at, look at this. This is really amazing. Second Peter 1.19. He just says, just keep studying until you get it. He says, we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. I don't know how many times I just passed over this passage thinking he was saying, you just need to keep studying until Jesus returns. I mean, the day dawns, the morning star rises. Doesn't that sound like the resurrection? But then I notice those three words at the end of the verse. In your hearts. This day dawning, this morning star rising is something that's happening within us. He's not talking about the resurrection. He's actually making a reference very much to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. Peter is saying, you've got the prophetic word. Pay attention to it as a lamp until the day dawns and the morning star rises. And he says, just keep studying it until you get it. You might read what somebody else says. You might ask other people what they think. But the main thing you've got to do is you've got to get in the Word. You've got to read it and reread it and study it and study it until you finally get it. By the way, I want you to notice he didn't say reread it until the Spirit finally forces you to get it. He says that by paying attention to the Word, you can't understand. Didn't Paul say that same thing? He says, I have written to you, and by reading, you can't understand. How can we understand? It's not going to be the Spirit miraculously flipping switches in our mind. It's going to be us getting into His Word until the day dawns and the morning star rises. But then he says this, once you've studied and studied and studied until you get it now, you've got to keep studying to get more. He said that back up in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. He said, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. But then in verse 8, as he summed up all of these qualities, he says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. What's the point? I'm supposed to have knowledge, but I don't get to stop by saying, okay, I've got some knowledge now. That's alright. I've studied. I've got it. Now I can stop. Because Peter points out, there's always more to get. Keep studying to get more. Keep growing. Knowledge is a growth thing. There's always more to know about God. And we only know it by knowing more from His Word. Read and reread and reread. Study and re-study and study some more as you dig deeper and deeper into God's Word and draw closer and closer to Him through it. And finally, Peter's third step in his three-point plan for getting it says keep studying to remember what you already got. And that's why he says, beginning in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me that I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. Peter said it is so important for you to remember what you've already learned. He said, I'm going to remind you now, and I'm going to remind you again, and I'm going to remind you again. And you know what? I'm going to die pretty soon and I'm going to make sure that somebody is behind to remind you even after I'm gone. And then in Second Peter chapter three, verse one, Peter says this, Second Peter three one, this is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. He said, you've got to remember. Remind yourself. Study, study, study to remember what you already got. i tell you, one of the first steps of falling away is often believing. I got that. I don't need to study it anymore. I don't need to hear those sermons anymore. I already understand that. I don't know how many people I've studied with that said, no, we don't need to go back and look at authority from the Bible again. We already agree on that. We already know all that. And then proceed to tell me something that denies what the Scripture says. That's just absolutely amazing. Hebrews chapter 5 demonstrates that. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, The Hebrew writer says, "...concerning him we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant." But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God of instruction about washings and laying on hands and the resurrection and the dead and eternal judgment. And this will do, if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, he goes on to talk about those who have left the faith. But what's he saying there? He says, you know, I'd like to be able to study with you so that you can get more. The problem is you've got to remember what you already got. We can't grow on to maturity unless we have the continued reminder of what we've already learned. And so Peter provides this great three-point plan for gaining knowledge. He says, keep studying until you get it. Keep studying so you can get more and then keep studying so you remember what you already got. And then Peter concludes his letter with this statement. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do you make sure that you don't get carried away by the error of unprincipled men and you don't fall from your own steadfastness? He says you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's the point? Get into God's Word. That's it. It's the only thing I want you to remember from today's lesson. When somebody asks you, hey, what did your preacher preach on this Sunday? You need to tell them, he told us that we've got to get into God's Word. We've got to be learners. We've got to be studiers. And when we do that, what Peter points out to us is that grace and peace will be multiplied to us. We'll have everything pertaining to life and godliness. We'll escape from the corruption of the world. And we'll be useful and fruitful to God. Won't that be awesome? Get into God's Word. I certainly hope this lesson was helpful to you today, and I want to thank you again for joining us as we study God's Word. Remember, if somebody asks you what this lesson was about, you need to be able to tell them it was about getting into God's Word. Let's remember what we learned today. First, we learned that knowledge comes from one place, God's Word. Why? Because God's Word came from the Spirit, not from man. Because God's Word has been made more sure by eyewitness testimony. Because God's Word is a light in a dark place, and because false teachers abound. And the only place we can find the truth is in God's Word. Then let's remember the three-point plan for gaining knowledge from God's Word. Step number one, keep studying until you get it. Number two, keep studying until you get more. And number three, keep studying so you'll remember what you've already got. If somebody gave you this lesson, let me invite you to come to our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com and invite you to download as many studies as you'd like to listen to. You can also download the manuscript form of these lessons and study those on your own with an open Bible. If you have any questions about God's Word, about serving God, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.